What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show, or should I say the new and improved Verzi Effect podcast show, because I don't know, guys, but I don't hear any buzzing, do you? I don't hear any background noise. It doesn't have that old school Verzi Effect grit to it anymore, which is slightly sad, but um, I got this new external microphone which kind of just weeds everything out much smoother studio quality stuff here so um maybe i can have my managers and other people shut the hell up now but i actually like it i listened i listened to it a little bit sometimes believe it or not everybody tells me that everyone that does a podcast tells me they listen to it a lot of times i don't um I just do it, and I, I, I talk, I, I give the content, and then that's it. But I had to listen back on this, and the microphone sounds fantastic. So I hope you guys are hearing that too. Um, but this is episode 44. This is the New Year's Eve edition, special episode, whatever you want to call it. Do I expect everyone to listen to this on New Year's Eve? No, I don't. I know people are doing other things, but... It's still going to be a nice year in review. You could check it out on New Year's Day. You could check it out next week before the next podcast. Enjoy it. Um, But, uh, you know, on this episode, I'm just going to basically break down down the year. Um, The year I had a lot of stuff that's going on in the world in 2011 or or that went on, I should say. Um, And uh, I'm going to start with something really, really... um, I guess I guess for me it's it was a crazy night for me last night. I just want to uh talk about it and I'm sure a lot of you uh, younger comedians would would want to hear this and and I'm going to make it interesting for people who aren't comedians because um something happened to me last night that was pretty pretty you know incredible and amazing for me because um as a comedian there are certain things that you want to do that you want to get under your belt. There are certain things that you think about and dream about when you're coming up in the business. And then when it happens, it's you think about it and it's like, you know, it's wow, it's amazing. So anyway, last night I had one of these moments and I got something under my belt that I really wanted to get out. And I think that it was an amazing thing to do it uh, 24 hours before the new year to wrap up this this amazing year that I had. Um, which I owe to all my fans, supporters, friends, and pretty much basically everybody listening to this, because if you're listening to this, then uh, that's what you are of mine, and um, I couldn't be happier or, or more thankful or more humbled um, by by your support. But last night I was in New York City, and uh, right when I'm thinking, all right, you know, there's not going to be any craziness the rest of this year, 2011 is winding down, I'll do a couple of spots in New York City, get up, work on some new material, and that's going to be it. No, that doesn't happen. I get an audition at one of the most prestigious comedy clubs, which, you know, the best comedians, in my opinion and in the opinion of many in the world, perform at, and that is the Comedy Cellar in New York City. Now, the Comedy Cellar in New York City was a club that... When I started comedy, 21, 22, 23 years old, I would go there and I would watch guys like, you know, Colin Quinn. The lineups were like, I'm not almost every night the lineups were Colin Quinn, um, Patrice O'Neill, um, Greg Giraldo, Nick DiPaolo, Bill Burr, 
guys like Todd Barry, you know, um, you know, Jeffrey Ross was always in there, Louis C.K. It was just one of the rooms where, like, on a Friday, Saturday night, the place was sold out, you know, packed, uh, Keith Robinson, um, just, just all these guys, and we would just sit and watch, and you'd always be like, man, can I ever get to that level? Can I ever get to that level? Is that level attainable? And um, the only way that you can get into the comedy cellar is if um, either one big name refers you or like two other like medium name comedians or something like that. If a big name, you know, talks to them, you get, you know, you get a shot. So you basically get a, a, an endorsement or you get, you know, just somebody who is uh, really respected and, and worked there. Um, now, uh, as all you know, um, I am Bill Burr's opener, and more importantly, well, I'm one of Bill Burr's opener, but more importantly, Bill Burr is an older brother to me and a best friend as far as I'm concerned. He's family, and, um, you know, we've been through a lot of battles with all these theaters and everything going on, big moments um, in Bill's career that I was really um, just humbled and honored to be a part of, and as I'm coming up in the ranks, it, it's awesome to know that a guy like that sees me going in, in the direction you know, of where he was and, and guys like Jim Norton and Patrice O'Neill years ago. And it's it's nice to have that. So I got the Bill Burr endorsement to the Comedy Cellar. And, um, you know, like I said, to get in, guys like that, Colin Quinn and, and Godfrey, all these guys that work there have to say, hey, this guy's funny, take a look at him. And then you get five to seven minutes, um, you know, you know, there. And I had it last night, man, and it was like I was, you know, it was a little nerve-wracking because you don't do a set for five to seven minutes, you know, after you've been doing comedy for a long time and really worry about it. And I wasn't worried about it, but it was just a big moment. Um, luckily, I did a show at Stand Up New York the, the like, hours earlier. Um, I did their early show. And then I had, and then I did the 12.45 a.m. show at the Comedy Cellar. So... I had a lot of time in between, but I, I had a killer set at Stand Up New York, and it was like like sold out. Um, and then me and my manager ate. We were talking. I went over my set. Anyway, I go into the comedy cellar. Just everybody, every time you go in there, it's just a ton of comedians. You could all, do nothing but respect. And um, I was going second, so it was the host who was Keith Robinson. And it was really cool because I remember being young and being in the audience and watching Keith Robinson on stage talking about having a son and killing and it just happens to be that the material that I chose to do this audition with was about my son, and he was the host. And, um, you know, he knows me through Bill, and he's a big sports fan, so we were just shooting the shit about the uh, Giants and Cowboys before I went on stage because I'm a Giants guy, and he's a Cowboys guy. And, um, you know, we just had this cool cool conversation, and I said, man, you know, I'm going up to do my audition, guest spot, whatever you want to call it. And he was like, oh, cool. And, you know, they treated me nice there. Um, the place was packed out, sold out, couldn't, you know, every, every show, four, four shows on the weekend is sold out at this place. Um, and I got on stage and, uh, I just did something real quick about the holidays and the first part of it was okay, but the second part of it killed. And then all of a sudden I went into the material about my son and, and all these true, honest thoughts that I have. Uh, and uh, and it crushed, and it was awesome, and it was so cool to get off stage, and, you know, Keith Robinson shook my hand and said, good job, man, and, you know, the, the lady there, uh, 
SD who was was very nice and you know um it, it went real well and you know with the seller you don't get passed right away they say you know all right we'll look at you again so uh, hopefully they take a look at me but it was a uh, definitely a, a humbling and an amazing experience just to do what I did in that room because I, I popped that fucking room up you know and uh, not trying to be a, a jerk, but I, I did my thing there for sure, and I felt it, and I know the crowd felt it, and I know the people watching me, uh, you know, saw it and felt it. So it was pretty nuts. And then I get off stage, and it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm with my managers. We go to eat, and my managers are so into food that I can't even mention the name of the place. They didn't want me to mention the name of the place because they don't want too many people knowing about it. How fucking hilarious is that? But there's a place in Manhattan that serves gourmet food and it's packed to the brim, packed like a 7 o'clock Friday night rush hour restaurant. That's what this place is up until 4 o'clock in the morning, gourmet food. I had fried oysters, and in the shell of the oysters, it was on top of a bed of spinach. It was one of the most fucking incredible things I ever, I almost joked and said, I think I just came in my pants. I almost said that in the restaurant, but I realized what like a nice place it was. But you think when it's that late, you're in a diner. It was unbelievable. I had some of the most incredible fried chicken in the country. I had, there was, they got this poo-poo platter, which is the dumbest name in the world, but it had dumplings on it. It had ribs on it. It had chicken on it. It had egg rolls on it. I had a duck club sandwich. It was a club sandwich, but the meat was fucking duck. It was, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just insane. And I got this drink, this drink with rye in it, which just topped it all off. So we dined like gods. We dined like gods after this long night of stand-up and waiting around. We dined like just, you know, way too much for, for the hour it was. I ended up getting home close to 5 o'clock in the morning, so... I'm sorry if I uh, sound a little shot. And then I come home, and my wife is very sick. We all kind of had a cold. I'm getting over the fucking cold. My wife is, still has it really bad. She's calling me up. She can't. It just kills her throat to even drink anything. When she swallows like her like water, she's in pain. She just can't. It's just she's in really bad shape. She's got a fever. My son is two and a half years old and ready to take on the world anytime he wakes up. And guess what time he woke up, folks? I get in around 5. He was raring to go at 5.30. Who's got to do it? Me. So I went downstairs with him, watched Cars 2 with him for a little while, and uh, just was trying not to pass out on the couch. And then my wife finally relieved me from the bullpen and let me sleep for a little bit. So I'm doing my podcast right now on uh, New Year's Eve, which I wanted to do because I got a lot of shit that I want to talk about and I got this new equipment, the new microphone. And uh, so let's let's get into this. But uh, it, w it was awesome. And I, I would tell anybody here, if you're in New York City, you absolutely have to go. The three clubs that you have to go if you're in New York City, if you like uh, comedy, you got to go to the Comedy Cellar, which is in the Village. You got to go to Caroline's on Broadway. You got to go to Gotham Comedy Club. I mean, they're all great, though. You know, they're all great. Dangerfields has its awesome old-school feel to it. Um, you know, the comic strip is good, but, you know, they don't fucking work me, and I'm never there, but that's a good club. Um, and I didn't even try to get in there. I got to do that. But anyway, go. It's so funny. A comedian's got to justify what he's saying, even when it's not even about him. Um, <laughs> we got to... You got to go to the Comedy Cellar. It's 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 amazing. So it was a great night last night, and hopefully... Uh, 
you know, I can I can get myself into that club. I'm I'm hoping in the future because it would be a, a you know a great great thing to have. So, year in review, 2011 was. Um, I was looking up the shit that happened in 2011, and a lot of things like I can't remember a year where so much big time news. You know, like a lot of times, like one big thing happens in a year. And that's it. Like, you know, it's like, all right, yeah, no, remember that year? Oh, yeah, that fucking earthquake or something. 2011, I wrote them down here. Listen to what's gone on in 2011, okay? This is big year for, for, for just news and events. The, the, the earthquake in Japan, which was absolutely devastating. And uh, I, I, I remember when I saw those cars turned over and those houses and buildings just floating. It looked like... It looked like Legos in a bathtub. It was fu- it was just so ridiculous to see that that was houses and shit. Just terrible. Um, that happened in 2011. The Casey Anthony trial happened in 2011, which was actually, I guess you could say, the closest thing to the OJ trial as far as media coverage. Um, you know, you know, and another not guilty on a, on somebody that was guilty. Um, so that was pretty big. We killed Bin Laden. Um, you know, and so, so I'll say this before the Bin Laden thing, we actually had the 10 year anniversary of 9-11 and they had that, uh, that beautiful memorial down there at ground zero. And on that same year, and, and, you know, I got to give, I give, uh, President Obama, you know, credit for this. I'm, I'm not really a huge fan of President Obama. I'm not really a huge fan of many presidents, um, Especially not this one, because I think this one was more of a media-made thing. Um, and as I said before, I just think the guy's lack of experience and the way he tries to please everybody. I'm not saying he's not a smart guy, but I just didn't think he was a man for the job. But the one thing that I will say is uh, President Obama is like the like the main reason we got fucking Bin Laden. And that's the shit. Like he was like he knew there was like a, like a forty percent chance he would be wrong, and he slept on it. And he was like, "No, we're fucking taking this. We're taking this cocksucker out." And uh, that I thought that that was the shit. So on the ten year anniversary, which also obviously this is a big big a lot happened in in two thousand and eleven. Um, we killed Bin Laden, um, and uh, you know I got to make my way down to that memorial too because I I haven't had a chance to do that and I really want to do that because it looks it looks beautiful and um, even though on that terrible day nobody that I knew directly um, was in 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 a plane or in a building um, it's it was you know I I met somebody who was afterwards and I just it's just one of those things where I just want to go down there and and just see that um, but uh, and and then uh, Steve Jobs the guy who really as far as technology I don't think it's going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think it's going to be really, um, I guess, really felt until later because Steve Jobs still had a lot of things that are coming out now. He had his hand in, but that guy changed, literally did change the world like as far as technology goes. As a matter of fact, for Christmas, I got the iPhone 4S. And this thing is like the most incredible fucking thing. The only thing that this phone doesn't do is blow me. And there's probably an app for that. Where the thing, <laughs> where there's a mouth just fucking forms on the bottom of it. You see people just walking around the street fucking their phones. Um, <laughs> this thing does everything. 
I was walking in the city last night when we were waiting to go from the, the stand-up New York to the Comedy Cellar, and I, I got my Starbucks locator app on it. So you just hit, hit like, where, from where I currently am, and it gives you every Starbucks. Oh, two blocks here. We just walked two blocks. There's a Starbucks. I got... This thing is unbelievable. I got a built-in robot in this fucking thing. A built-in robot called Siri that I could just go, Hey, um, what's... I don't know, what's on the menu at the steakhouse in Tokyo or something ridiculous, and the thing just tells me. Um, unbelievable. It's just a most unbelievable phone. It's like having a laptop. I do all my Facebook. I do all my Twitter on there. My music is on there. It sounds better than my iPod. I'm never going to use an iPod again because of this phone. Um, it's amazing. And and Steve Jobs is the guy, and he, uh, you know, it's, it's a big loss, but I think we'll see that loss later because... Um, you know, it's just amazing that these fucking great people, these great people that that pass away, um, you know, it's you know after they they create something great, and it was like he, I don't know, I don't know, it's just weird to me, cause that guy, if he would have been around, who, who knows, you know, fucking flying phones he would have had. <laughs> you just put your arm up with your phone, hit a button, wings grow, and you just fly where you need to go. It'd be like the, they'd call it like the iPhone flight. Um, but that was a big loss. And speaking of big losses in 2011, um, at the beginning of March, a brilliant, great comedian, Mike DiStefano passed away. And most recently, um, one of the most honest, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, you know, Patrice O'Neill was, uh, fucking just an absolute, um, a beast. I mean, elephant in the room. Do yourself a favor. Watch Elephant in the Room. You don't even have to watch the whole thing. Just go to YouTube and just type in Elephant in the Room and look at the clips on there. And if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about that guy, I don't know what will. But two, you know, horrible losses. And then you had the, then you had the stupid stuff in uh, 2011. The Charlie Sheen meltdown. Lindsay Lohan in and out of jail as many times as people change their socks. Um, you know, shit like that, you know, was going on. And, and you know, I guess some other you know, religious things that happened that I don't really pay attention to. Um, but it was, it was a, a, an amazing year. You know, it had great moments, sad moments, big moments and everything like that. And, um, you know, hopefully 2012 can be less of the bad stuff and just, and just more of the good stuff. Uh, 2011 for me, like I said on the last podcast, I mean, it's been, it's been amazing for me this year. I got to play Vegas twice, um, I, I got to be on Spike TV. Um, I got some unbelievable feedback from other TV stuff. I got to write for the ESPN SB Awards for Seth Meyers. Um, I opened for Bill Burr at Carnegie Hall. And, um, you know, more and more clubs and industry people are hearing about, hearing about, um, you know, me. And, and it's nice. It, 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 it's, it's, it's nice to show that hard work you know, pays off, and um, I'm telling you, any young comedian out there, man, I, I, I want to make this clear, because I know comedians out there see people doing things, and they think of themselves, and, and what they want to do, because that was me, you know, I was sitting in the audience at the Comedy Cellar, that's what I wanted, and last night, I had a chance to, to get there, um, and just know that, like, if you feel like, you know, I remember Dane Cook saying something, and say what you will about Dane Cook, but Dane Cook is... You know, he, he worked really hard, and he said something where it's like he felt like he wasn't invited to the party, and that's why he doesn't do certain rooms. Um, as a matter of fact, I think there's a room in Denver, Colorado he won't do. 
because they didn't book him when he was younger or something. And, and, but you know, I was one of those guys and I know that there's a lot of comedians listening to this that, um, if you take anything from this podcast or anything from me as a comedian, just take this because this is something that, that is, is probably the most important thing that, that, that I ever said. And, and I, I will, you know, I'll, I'll keep saying it so you understand that, you know, when you get impatient and you don't have, you know, representation or, you know, you don't know what to do. That was me. And I still have so much, I still have so much to do that I'm not even, I'm scratching the surface of this shit. But when you feel like you're not in a club and there's clicky politics going on and, and you feel like they don't want you, you feel left out. Um, you feel just like a, you know, like, like Dane Cook said, not invited to the party. Just know that that I was that guy, and and so were a lot of bigger name comedians. But it's sticking to the plan, writing. Fuck everything else that happens off stage. Worry about the stage. Write and get on stage. Write material and get on stage. That's it. You know, um, if if I can be in the situation that I'm in now by meeting great representation and them believing in me and seeing my progress in writing, you can too. It's just a matter of who's got who wants it. I mean, obviously you have to have talent. But, I mean, and be funny. I mean, that goes, but once you do, it's it's what you do with it. Because I tell you, there's a lot of lazy, talented fucking people out there. Um, so just keep working and keep getting it, man. And, 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 and stay hungry and put yourself in a position to where at least you can have an opportunity. You know, um, so so that's what I want to say uh, to anybody who, who thinks, man, when, when the fuck can, is, is this going to happen? Or, you know, and sometimes you get bitter. I mean, I've seen people on The Tonight Show and I've been like, what the fuck? Is that guy doing on a Tonight Show? And I'm not. That's normal. That you don't want to hate on anybody, but th- thinking that that's just a competitive way. Like that person that was on a Tonight Show may be funny and a good comedian. You're just thinking how you could get there. That's not hating. Um, speaking of hating, that's one thing that did happen to me this year, where I had a few comedians, younger comedians, alternative comedians that obviously don't like mainstream comedy. I, I definitely have felt some kind of, you know, people seeing me doing well or doing better and moving up in the ranks here. And I could feel, and I, you know, just from afar and certain things that people give you certain looks, you feel the hate. And I love it. You know why I love it? I mean, listen, you never want anybody to say anything bad about you. And, and you know, everybody has insecurities about that because you want to be, obviously you want to be loved and shit, but the hating is great. Because when people hate on you because they see you doing good things, it means you're doing something good. And uh, I'm not going to mention any names here or, or anything, but I was talking to my manager. And I was like, yeah, man, I heard a couple of alternative comics. Like, they, they see me, they didn't say nothing. And I heard, you know, they had something to say about be doing this or doing that. And he was like, yeah, Paul, you know, they don't like you. They probably don't like you, you know, and I said, well, why, you know, you want to know, well, why the fuck, and he said, because you represent everything that they're not, like, you represent everything that they're not and that they probably want to be, you know, something along those lines, he said, and, and I was just like, man, that makes a lot of sense, because if you're hating on me, then that means I'm doing something that you either can't do or you're not doing yet, and the only way that you can emotionally deal with it or mentally deal with it is is just by saying something negative. Um, so if any haters are listening, fuck you. Suck my dick. I'm coming. I'm coming hard. Okay? And I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And anybody out there who's got haters, let them hate. Cat Williams said it. If you're not doing shit if you don't have haters. 
Okay, you need haters, and you need more haters next year. That's what I hope. I hope I get more haters next year. Just go at it. Just get on stage and be undeniably funny, and these fucking people get jealous. Good. That's what it is, man. Um, You don't need those people. You know who you need? You need your family, your loved ones, that shit. And it's corny and cliche, but that's when the important shit comes out. You know, that's when the corny and cliche shit comes out, when things are important. And there's nothing more important than the people that are close to you. Your close friends, your real supporters, all that shit. Fuck everybody else. All these people want to talk shit. All these people want to say things under their breath when they're fucking bombing in alternative rooms. Or they're doing good in alternative rooms and they think they're the shit. And then they go into a mainstream room and they shit the bed because nobody wants to hear about fucking unicorns. And, 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 and fucking, you know, Green Lantern sucking dick or whatever. I don't even know what that means, but <laughs> it's just so stupid, man. It's so stupid. So, um, that, that's, that's how, that was my, my 2011. It had, it had ups and downs and all this stuff, but you know, in the end you make it the best that you can make it. And hopefully 2012, I'll be honest, I was, I, I was thinking to myself, like, Man, 2011 was so good. Like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what the hell I had to do to not make 2012, uh, you know, a slight letdown. But but I got to do a lot. I got to do a lot this year <laughs> to have any kind of, uh, you know, any kind of competition with 2011. Um, so, you know, that was it. But uh, this one's going to be in the books in a few hours here. And I'm doing nothing tonight. And I, I got to tell you something. I'm 33 years old. I just turned 33 years old. I remember I was 23 years old. It felt like it was two weeks ago. It goes really fast. Uh, that's why you got to do what you want to do. But um, you get all the fucking New Year's. Let's talk about New Year's Eve. Okay. New Year's Eve is can, can be one of the nicest, most mellow nights you eat. Or it could just be you drink like an animal. And you end up on a train somewhere at 2 o'clock in the morning puking. People are laughing. It's a mess. Like, New Year's Eve can go anywhere from, you know, a couch at a friend's house to prison. That That's the way this night can go. And I got to tell you, I've done it all. I've done the going to New York City. I've, you know, and, and, and getting down there, which is kind of overrated. I've been at a party. Last year was kind of a great one because I went to a wedding. I actually had to turn down work from comedy clubs, and you make more money on that night. But I had to turn down some, uh, you know, shows or whatever they call them, like showcases, all-star shows where they get like four or five comedians to do it and everything, and they do the, the you know, the, the, the toast at 12. I had to turn it down last year because I went to a wedding on the water. My buddy got married, and it was an unbelievable wedding, and then there was a toast and like a party afterwards, and it turned into a New Year's party, and it was awesome. But I did something once, and I'm hopefully going to do it again this year. My wife is kind of sick, so I don't know if it's going to work. But you owe it to yourself to do this. Even if you're younger, I'm telling you, it's awesome. Doing nothing on New Year's. Like three years ago, I think it was three years ago. Yeah, because last, last year was the wedding and then the year before. I did, I, I was home, and... My wife, yeah, because my son wasn't born. It was just me and my wife, and we put that New Year's Rockin' Eve on. It was like Dick Clark or what's his name, Carson Daly, one of those fucking stupid people. And uh, not that Dick Clark or them are stupid, you know what I mean? Like that whole stupid fucking, you know, bullshit talking and, and stuff like they like they do at the Thanksgiving parade. Um, 
So I I was sitting there with my wife at a table and we were playing board games and cards the whole night while this New Year's Rockin' Eve was on. And it was awesome. They had these concerts on, people were playing music, and it was one of those things where you would never even think about doing that. You owe it to yourself to sit, play cards, play rummy, play dice, play Scrabble, and just have it on TV and watch it almost like you're watching. You know when like if people are like, oh man, I went to that football game and it was awesome, but I got to be honest, if I was sitting in front of my big screen warm, it would have been just as good, if not better. It was almost like that. Now, I know that sounds lame, but you got to understand, I've done the drunk fucking partying. I've been to parties at New Year's, all that shit, you know, house parties. I've done it all. Doing nothing is awesome. So tonight our plan is, although my wife is very sick, tonight our plan is, you know, get the baby to bed, you know, around his time, 8, 8.30, um, chill out, relax, play some games, you know, watch the ball drop, do all that, just chill out and do nothing, go to bed fairly early, wake up fresh tomorrow for football, do it, it's awesome, okay, now, and I know what some of you are saying, you just don't have shit to do, Paul, so you're trying to bring us into your boring, married, parental night, no, 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 <laughs> I'm really not, I'm really, I'm really not, just one time, in your life, it could be next year, just trust me, and if it sucks, just fucking email me and go, you dick, I was so excited, and I ended up playing Yahtzee for an hour, and I wanted to fucking hang myself, <laughs> and I'll say, my bad, no, but if you're with somebody that you care about, you like to just listen to music and enjoy what's going on, just turn into an old person who just thinks watching it on TV is cool, and it actually becomes it, and it is, so that's what I'm doing tonight. Um, and I don't even think we're going to do some, do drinking. I've had a long fucking night last night. I'm just going to chill out. I know what some of you people are saying. Holy shit. I hope I'm not that boring when I'm 33 years old. Fuck you. You will be. All right. I got a pregnant wife who's sick, you know, and, and, and out of all the things that I've mentioned about 2011, the crazy and most important one is that I found out that I'm having a daughter. But I'm actually so freaked out and that doesn't even feel real to me yet that I don't even put it like in the, I just so shocked. Like I was just like, I was shocked I was having another kid then, oh, it's a girl. And I'm like, I don't even know how to, you know. So 2012, the big one on the list is having a daughter. But the news of having a daughter, you know, is nuts. And uh, I think I've uh, expressed on uh, previous podcasts the, the fears about having daughters, which is really killing on stage right now, by the way. Um, you know, it was really awesome and liberating to call every woman in the crowd. I told every woman in the crowd, no matter how proper you are, you all had that whorish night. You're all whores at one time or another, and that can't be my baby girl. And the crowd loves it because it's just honest shit. Um, so what else do we got? Uh, so that's 2011. Um, that was my little wrap up, uh, you know, give some advice to comics of, of, of you know, if you're going through anything like that, and, and, and just talk about what happened in the year. So I'm hoping 2012 is, is better, but it's it's going to be tough as far as the, the positive stuff. Um, okay, so what else do we have here? All right, we got to get into a little sports because we're running short on time. I already cleared 30 minutes here. Sports. We got my New York Knickerbockers, who started out, they won on Christmas Day. 
it was awesome. By two to the Celtics. I know they didn't have Paul Pierce, but we never win that game because you always get your heart broken. And I'll tell you, when that dude on the Celtics put up that shot with like three or four seconds left and it missed, I'm going, this is going to happen again. You People don't understand, as a Knicks fan, like, you know in the cartoons when the Coyote, like when you thought, like when you're like, oh, maybe this one, like this thing, like the rocket didn't blow up yet, but then all of a sudden like a rock slaps him in the face. That is what a Knicks game is for literally the last dozen years. I have been, the Knicks have made me, I've gone from happy and excited and thinking I was going to win to within five seconds getting my heart broken with the Knicks more times than, you know, and it's the balance of life, but I got the Yankees. I got the Yankees dicks. I got the New York football giants who win me a Super Bowl every decade. Uh, That 2007 Patriots win that we had. I mean, the 2007 win we had over the Patriots in the Super Bowl, still, still, I could, I, they get a pass for me until 2017. They got a 10-year pass for me from that Super Bowl. Um, so I have that. But the Knicks have always just kicked you in the balls right, right before you thought you weren't going to get kicked in the balls. <laughs> Every time. Jordan did it. Reggie Miller did it. Like, guys just come into the garden. You know, I think Kobe, LeBron, I think, uh, you know, they had a huge game. We just get these moments where we, and, and it didn't happen on Christmas Day. But then the Knicks go out west. They're beating the Warriors the whole game. Then they shit the bed in the fourth quarter and lose. And then they get their asses handed to them by the Lakers. They look afraid to play. They look afraid to shoot the ball. Here's what I'm going to say. Unacceptable for this week is... The New York Knicks being afraid to penetrate the paint and take it to the hole, especially against the Lakers, that they look they looked like I could get me and four of my friends to do what the Knicks did the second half against the Lakers, which was stand around in a circle in a perimeter and just pass the ball around like it was a hot fucking potato, and then whoever got one one little, you know, foot of clearance from somebody, they just put up a shitty shot. Mike Bippy looks like he's 80 years old, Mike Bibby looks like he's he's just shooting, he's got no legs, um, just made me think, remember, you ever remember the, kid, the movie Kids, I have no legs, I have no legs, there was just a guy on a subway with no legs singing I have no legs, oh my god, last night we were walking to Starbucks and there was a lady, there was a lady screaming at herself, in in front of this like FedEx. So I'm like, man, who's she yelling at? And I'm looking around and Chris uh, Chris Italia goes, No, dude, she's talking to herself. And I go, No, it actually had to stop. I've heard people talk to them like talk to themselves before. This lady was having like a screaming match. I've never seen You look what you wanna do it? You wanna fuck no fuck what what is he looking at? What is she? and like she was looking at glass like it was it was the craziest shit. Um you see that? You see that? Some funny stuff, man. Homeless, homeless shit. But I, I said I've never seen the one thing that I, I saw for the first time in New York City was a homeless guy not talking to himself, giving the pounds, which I've mentioned before. He was shaking hands that weren't there and like hugging, and that was one. That was a weird one. But you go down there enough and you see some really funny shit. Um, but the New York Knicks need to bounce back tonight 
at 8 o'clock. I will be watching my New York Knickerbockers play the Sacramento Kings, and they better win the game and come back home to New York 2-2. Two and two. I'll be happy with that. The Celtics are shit in the bed. So, um, I'll, I, you know, I can, you know, we just got to, we just got to do good in the East. It's a shorter season, but, uh, I'll be upset if the Knicks don't make the playoffs and don't win the first round. That's what they need to do. And they have the talent to do it. Um, so that's going on with the Knicks and that's unacceptable. Being afraid to play together. I know they're a new team and they're not clicking and they will, but they were afraid. You know, they were afraid. Pal Gasol is soft. I'm sick of the Lakers. The Knicks should have taken it to the rack. Give it to Melo. Take it to the rack. Um, and now we have to talk about the NFL last week, week 16, biggest game is the last game of the season for the East conference finals. And that is the, the, that's the, um, what is it? The NFC East, the New York football giants playing Tony Ono. And the Dallas Cowboys, and you know why I call them, oh no, because right when it looks good for them, oh no, he messes up a snap, he fumbles the ball at the last second, and then he does that stupid smirk, uh, where he just shrugs his shoulders and smirks and tilts his head to the side like a dog who sees something interesting in a Kangol hat. That's what he does. He has a Kangol hat, tilts his head to the side. Like a dog who saw something interesting. He makes that stupid little smirk, that half a joker smile, and he shrugs his shoulders. Well, you know, we want to win. It's, it's, it's. Anyway, the New York Giants have to go into this game and know they're going to beat them, which I think if the defense is healthy, they'll, they'll beat them. But the Giants are Jekyll and Hyde. The Giants made Rex Grossman look like fucking Johnny Unitas twice this year. And, um,. Sometimes the secondary is not pretty. I think if we get at Tony Ono early and often, you know, and don't forget, Tony Ono has a bad hand. Tony Ono's has like elephantitis of the throwing hand right now. He's got a big balloon wrap on it. And I think even if the swelling goes down and he gets better and he could throw the ball, I think if the Giants defense can throw him to the ground a few times, when you get thrown to the ground, what do you have to put in front of you to, uh, to ease the blow? Your hands. So uh, we got to get all over him. And I'm going to make a prediction here. I think that I made two predictions this week. And I'm going to tell you guys here on the Verzi Effect what those two predictions are. Um, I think the New York Jets aren't going to have a chance to get help and get in. Because I think the Miami Dolphins won five of their last eight. They're playing really inspired for their interim coach. Uh, Reggie Bush is playing good. Brandon Marshall's playing good. Matt Moore, the quarterback's playing good. And I think that they're going to knock the Jets out. The Jets aren't even going to make the playoffs because of their own not winning. Um, Rex Ryan has proven that he doesn't have a good football team. Because if you notice what Rex Ryan does is Rex Ryan does the same thing every week early when it's a big game that he's scared of. He talks shit like when he plays the Patriots. We're not here to kiss anybody's rings. When he plays the Giants, we're nobody's little brother. We're the best team in New York. He does it early in the week because he tries to get his team up. That is just a way. He's the only coach that I've ever seen who is trying to coach through media. Okay, he does not have that good of a team. So my two predictions are the Dolphins will beat the Jets this week straight up. Okay, 
I think I'm either going to be really, really wrong on that and the Jets are going to beat them up or or it's going to be a close game and the Dolphins are going to beat them. And I think that that's what's going to happen. I don't see the Jets. I think I think if it's if if it's not a blowout by the Jets, which I, I, I just don't see them doing with the way uh, Miami's playing, I think Miami finds a weakness there and, and wins the game. So I'm taking Dolphins over the Jets. And I think that... Tony Romo gets knocked out of the game by the Giants. I think the pain is going to be overwhelming. I think we need to get one or two really big sacks on him in the first half. And then I think the coaches and everybody at halftime need to see he's in pain. And if they see any kind of struggle in the third quarter, he gets out of the game. I know that's a huge, bold prediction. Uh, and I could be wrong. Tony Romo could feel better. They could inject his hand. And the Giants could lose. Because that's what the Giants... See, that's the thing about the Giants. You Something should happen. And you know it should happen. And it doesn't. And you're just like, son of a bitch, their secondary sucked, the defense wasn't there. If the Giants show up as the Giants, who always show up to their competition for some reason, they either play down or up to their to the level of competition. But if the Giants show up with the defense that I know they could play and Eli can, can throw, you know, which he's been doing all year, it's unbelievable year for Eli Manning, they'll win the game. But I think you know. I think that if the Cowboys stay in it, you, you could get that. You can get that bullshit that the Giants do. If the Cowboys start winning and our secondary shits the bed the way they did against the Redskins, they're going to be pissed. So I'd say I'm giving the Giants. I I say the Giants seventy percent of the chance will win the game, and I'm going to say that um, if it goes that way, which I think it will, I think they're going to knock Romo out because a coach can't keep a guy in there, especially when it's do or die if he literally can't throw the football properly. So that's what I think is going to happen. That's a big game. That's a Sunday night game. Loser does not make the playoffs. Winner wins the division. And if the Giants win this game, they'll get a home playoff game, I believe, either against the Lions or the Falcons, which I'll take either of that. So big week uh, in sports in, in, in New York. And when the Knicks come, I got I to gotta get tickets. Um, as far as movies, guys, um, I was going to go see The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Speaking of the Giants, Rooney Mara, who is in the the uh, girl with the dragon tattoo, is the daughter of the New York football Giants owner, John Mara. Uh, they actually live in Bedford, which is not far, which is not far. They're from Bedford, which is not far from me at all, uh, a few miles. That's like big-time um, big football family with two daughters who are actresses. Um, and I really want to see the movie. I heard great things about it. I actually heard the movie was better than the book, so I'm interested in seeing that. Um, but I did not see it yet. I'm going to see that. I also want to see the new Mark Wahlberg um, movie. And uh, so I'm going to have I'm going to have um, 2012. Uh, here's what I could definitely uh, promise the podcast fans. I got some excellent comedians, man, that are going to be on this show. That are, um, you know, we're going to be shooting the shit and having a really good time and, and just talking whatever. Um, and, and I already have a couple of them booked. So you'll be hearing some 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 great interviews and some just great conversation with some really funny people that I'm excited to, to have here. Peers that I really respect and, and very funny comics. And I'm also going to do a lot more movie reviews. And I did say this, and I mean it. I'm going to get the, the listeners of this uh, podcast more involved uh, next year than I did this year. There's going to be more segments. There's going to be more questions that I want to talk about, and uh, that's it. Plugs for next year. To be honest, my new website, or, or I shouldn't say that. My website's already updated, but my new schedule for my website was, is going to be up and posted with this um, 
podcast so you could see the new dates. January, I have a bunch of stuff, um, you know, in New York City. And, um, I, you know, I have some stuff coming up in upstate New York. Um, I got summer dates already. I'll be going back to Vegas in 2012. I'll be going to Texas. All, all these different dates. And they're going to keep coming. And we're working on getting new cities. Um, and uh, I'm going to have um, a very big announcement coming up about uh, something that's going to be going down in New York City come late February or, or early March, which, um, you know, we couldn't be more excited about. So stay tuned for that because that's that's just going to be, you know, just awesome. So, um I hope everybody has a very uh, happy and healthy new year tonight. Take care of yourselves. You know, don't drive drunk. Don't do anything fucking stupid. Stay home and play Yahtzee is my... I mean, I don't play Yahtzee. We play other games, but something tells me a couple people I'm, I'm, that I'm talking to have Yahtzee. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but have a great one. Have a safe one. Uh, I love you guys, man. You guys uh, you guys listening to this podcast mean, mean a lot to me and... Um, Get at me, man. Email me. Let me know what you want me to talk about. You know, if you're a comedian, man, if you're a comedian and, and you know me and you're, you're far away, though, man, get in touch with me. I'd love to have you on the show. Or, you know, I want to do something here where I have call-ups, call-ins, too, where people could call in. Um, but I don't have that much shit going on, like, with my, like, I got to, like, listen, if it took me this long to get some equipment that makes this thing sound better, I don't know if I'm going to be having equipment where people could call in. But um, thanks again. Happy uh, Happy New Year, everybody. And until episode number 45, the Verzi Effect is outie.